We love talking about feathers on this programme. We love talking about birds. We do it quite a lot on Mooney Goes Wild. And when we get the chance, we also like to talk about their close genetic relatives, the dinosaurs, if you're paying attention. To the top of the programme, you would have heard Richard Collins say just that about dinosaurs and birds and feathers. Anyway, paleontologists at University College Cork have made a discovery that reveals new similarities between birds and dinosaurs. And it also sheds new light on the evolution of feathers. Joining us now from UCC is Dr Tiffany Slater, a paleontologist at the School of Biological Earth and Environmental Science and lead author on this exciting paper. Hello Tiffany, how are you? Great, I'm good Eric, how are you? Well we're great and we're delighted to be speaking with you today. So remind our listeners about the branch of science a paleontologist is an expert in. Yes, absolutely. So uh, paleontology is interested in the study of ancient life. So this can take on loads of different forms. It could be even evidence of past life. So uh, the traces and the tracks that animals leave behind. Uh, Also down to fossilized microbes and uh, of course dinosaurs. So are there many paleontologists at UCC? Actually, there are. Our group is getting much bigger. And I think at the moment there is at least 15 of us. So, yes, it's a very exciting place to work. Now, I must give a special shout out to my nephew, Sean, because he's only 15. He may even be 16 now, but he can name every dinosaur that ever walked on planet Earth. Backwards, forwards, upside downwards, inside outwards. He just knows it all. And if you ask him, how do you know all that kind of stuff? He says books because he (laughs) devours these books about dinosaurs. But tell me about your work now and you're looking specifically at feathers. Yes, absolutely. So I, unfortunately, I do not know all the names of the dinosaur. He's he's got me beat on that one. (laughs) But um, I am what we call a taphonomist. So taphonomists are interested in how the processes of fossilization impact the fossil record. Fossilization can alter the types of information that the fossil record preserves. So I try to always look at fossils through this lens. You know, what's their history? What have they been through? And how are they limited in what they can tell us because of what they've gone through? But in that vein, I, for the past six years, I've been studying fossil feathers. So uh, this is Normally, the fossil record preserves bones and fragments of shelly bits, and that's the stuff that we're most familiar with. But the fossil record can also preserve organics, so soft tissues uh, like skin and feathers and hair. So those are the bits that I'm particularly interested in. And what have you gleaned? Mm, From our recent work, we have found that the chemistry, the the proteins that make up feathers, that the chemical composition of feathers is much more ancient than we previously thought. So we were able to find evidence of the same proteins that make up modern feathers in 125 million year old feathered dinosaurs. Richard. Now feathers are are very beneficial in that they can provide you with camouflage or as as you say, they can provide you with colors that will attract a mate or whatever. But why go for feathers? Why not go for fur? If you take the mammals, mammals went for fur. We don't have feathers. What prompted uh, 
dinosaurs to go for the feathers and not to go in the direction of fur. Or rather, why did we go for fur? Because we come along much later. Why did mammals come for fur? What's wrong with feathers that fur takes over? We are uh, warm-bodied, so we're able to regulate our own internal body temperature. But the earliest reptiles were not able to do that, and, and reptiles today are not able to do that. So it is very possible that feathers were more advantageous than hair because they had a larger surface area and were maybe able to trap more air underneath it. So um, if you think about your hair when you get cold and you look at your arms and you start to see these little uh, little chicken chicken bumps, um, and so that's because your, your hair is then raising and that's to trap air against your skin to help keep you warm. So feathers, as you can imagine, with a larger surface area, they would trap more air and keep the animal even warmer. So that could be really important when you're a reptile and and you can't generate your own body heat so uh it's it's very possible that that's why reptiles didn't evolve hair tiffany this is nile here um i have a great interest in birds and uh, in today's world birds are the only animals that currently have feathers they're exclusive to birds all of this work that's been done by paleontologists like yourself in recent years has been showing more and more the connection between birds and dinosaurs to the extent that I think we can be confident to say that dinosaurs didn't really go extinct uh, a great many of the species did um, but what happened was that they gradually became birds to the point that we can't even tell the difference between the two there's no clear dividing line between birds and dinosaurs but what I think is really fascinating about this research too is that I believe these protein structures have also been found in, in the remains of another group of animals the pterosaurs those flying reptiles that people would have seen in children's books and so on um, which weren't dinosaurs they're a different, uh, different group they diverged a long, long time ago. Um, if they also had feathers, does that suggest then that the ability to produce these proteins must have evolved way back, even before the dinosaurs? Yeah, this is key. And this is this is such an exciting area of our research right now. So the, the fact that feathers were also in pterosaurs. So we have evidence of pterosaurs having very simple feathers. So uh, it would have looked superficially more like hair. But we also have evidence that these pterosaurs had branched feathers. And now... Although the pterosaurs that we've seen this in are 110 to 125 million years old, the fact that they're in pterosaurs means that feathers have a much more ancient history than we even have evidence for. So the dinosaurs and the pterosaurs would have had a common ancestor roughly around 250 million years ago. So this means that Feathers were around 250 million years ago. Uh, now, we haven't found those feathers themselves yet, but it's definitely uh, something that we're, we're definitely looking for. I think that answers your question. <laughs> it, it does. Thank you very much. And it leads on to another, a further one, because pterosaurs famously could fly. Um, the birds, most birds today can fly. They're obviously some flightless species, but they uh, evolved from flying ancestors. And feathers are fundamental to their abilities to fly. The wings of pterosaurs, though, were quite different. In, in a, At least in a rudimentary sense, they were um, quite like the wings of bats, big fl flaps of skin that were extending between the digits that they would fly with. So were they, in any way, do we know, using those feathers as a fundamental part of their flying ability? Or was it perhaps just for insulation or perhaps even for display purposes? We see so many courtship displays using feathers in birds today. Was it the same maybe for the pterosaurs and the dinosaurs? 
It's possible. So we do know that the feathers and pterosaurs did have pigments. So, uh, you know, this is an area of research that's increasingly evolving, but we don't have any evidence that those feathers would have acted in flight. So as you say, it's very possible that they were acting in signaling and for warmth, um, but we don't have very much evidence of the proteins that made up pterosaur feathers. So uh, that's an exciting area and we, we would like to, to understand better if they were chemically similar to the dinosaur feathers. You said there that we know that some of these feathers at least had pigments in them, had coloration. How can we tell that? Oh, So we can tell using several different methods. So we can look at these tiny samples of these fossils under what's called a scanning electron microscope. And that allows us to see things at a micron scale. So, you know, things that you can't see with your naked eye at all. And when we put these samples under the microscope, we can see evidence of these pigments because the pigments themselves, the molecules are stored in organelles called melanosomes. And these melanosomes typically have a shape that's spherical, or kind of sausage-shaped. That's one way that we can see evidence of these pigments. And another way is that we can detect their molecules directly. So we're able to chemically analyze these samples and find evidence of these melanin molecules in the fossils. In modern birds, although pigment plays a huge role in in the coloration of their feathers, there are other things that work there too. Uh, Blues and and many of the greens in bird feathers, for example, aren't produced by pigment or not by pigment alone, but also by these microstructures in the surface of the feathers that uh, reflect light light at, at different wavelengths. Is that something that's preserved in the fossil record from dinosaurs and pterosaurs as well, or is that something that doesn't survive this, this, this process? Well, a lot of them, unfortunately, do not survive the process, which is why I'm so interested in you know, how fossilization occurs and how it can determine what kind of information it preserves. So these things like uh, carotenoids that can give uh, blue and green coloration, we have very little evidence for these in the fossil record. And especially at a molecular level. So we have evidence of carotenoids, but it comes from them being mineralized. So they've the, basically the structure that the carotenoids are, they've been replaced by different minerals. And we can see evidence of that under microscopes. But there are other forms of coloration that are more difficult to, even more difficult to find in the fossil record. So when you look at a feather, if you have an iridescent feather that gives you different colors when you turn it. What's making some of that iridescence is the melanin pigments, but it's also the fact that there's layers of keratin proteins that make up feathers and they trap a layer of air between them. And it's actually, it's the differences in the way that light interacts with the pigments, melanin, and also the air that's trapped in between these proteins. And then the proteins themselves. So this is what we call structural color. And that's very difficult to find in the fossil record because, you know, these fossils are get compacted and buried in uh, under meters of sediment. Feathers really are the most amazing structures. Uh, they have these wonderful colours. They're so supremely strong, but also incredibly light. They're wonderful for insulation. They uh, allow birds to fly. I think they're absolutely incredible. Uh, I think it would take a long time before the top engineers and scientists today could actually design such a perfect material. Do we know with the dinosaurs that have feathers, when did flight actually start to develop in them? And were there non-flying birds around at the same time as flying dinosaurs? I know that some dinosaurs had four wings rather than two that birds have today. Are we finding more about this? We are. 
it's it's like anything. There's there was this uh, big kind of gray area. So you would have had dinosaurs that were capable of gliding. So you know, there's dinosaurs that were capable of active powered flight, and then dinosaurs that were a little less capable of getting themselves off the ground. And instead, they were capable of using their their wings and the feathers to glide from one tree to another tree. So there is this spectrum of flight that we see across the fossil record. Um, now we do know that uh, they're very early birds uh, as, as long ago as 125 million years ago we had birds like Confucius Ornus and these birds were very similar to modern day birds they were capable of powered flight and uh, absolutely we're, we're still finding out more and more that uh, about active powered flight. I always thought that Archaeopteryx was the first flying dinosaur am I wrong? Well, so Archaeopteryx is very, very similar to modern birds. In fact, it can basically be considered a modern bird. It's remarkably similar to modern birds. We saw it in the museum in Berlin, the Natural History Museum, myself and Richard. Aina. Yes, indeed. I've been listening with great fascination to all you have been saying. I'm, I'm interested in, in, in the um, design of the ancient feathers. I mean, it used to be thought that the ancient feathers were made up of proteins like we have in our hair, those kind of soft proteins, and that they evolved over the millions and millions of years to become stronger proteins that would support flight so that the, the flight feathers in birds today have proteins that were different to the ones millions of years ago. But you knock that on the head by fossilising the proteins in modern day feathers. Tell me more, how did you manage to fossilise something in a few hours that took millions of years to happen? What's going on there? Yeah, so fossilisation, it's such a complex process, uh, but we do need to understand it in order to interpret the fossil record. So what we do is we simulate fossilisation. We don't necessarily replicate fossilization, but we simulate it in a lab on a time scale that us humans can do. We're able to ramp up these temperatures that fossils would experience during burial and see these chemical processes that are that are happening on millions, hundreds of millions of years on a time scale of a couple of hours to a day. So this allows us to study the processes a lot more easily. So what I did was use feathers from modern birds and cook them to temperatures that are uh, equivalent to what they would experience over millions of years during fossilization and then study what's left and what was left was very interesting so the feathers of modern birds as you say they are composed of proteins that are very strong and we call these corneous beta proteins so they have this beta sheet structures proteins have uh, uh, many different types of structures and beta sheets are one of them so these corneous beta proteins are very strong and then what we see when they're heated is that these beta sheets these corneous beta proteins they unravel and then they reform alpha helices so alpha helices are a different type of protein structure and that is the similar protein structure that we see in the proteins in our hair so keratins and it's a much softer less robust protein so this was very interesting because it said that when we're finding evidence of alpha helix proteins like keratin in the fossil record it's very likely that these could have been originally beta sheet proteins like corneous beta proteins 
and that they're just degrading over hundreds of millions of years to become this alpha helix keratin lookalike protein. So it's very important to take into consideration the process of fossilization and how it can alter what the fossil record tells us. Tiffany, I have to say my mind is blown by the fact that you can fossilise something within a few hours. I thought Jurassic Park was all make-believe, but hey, it's only around the corner from what I can see. It's only around the corner. Anyway, Tiffany, thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much.